Thank you, uh, Lori Gerlach, for sharing that reading. Uh, th this is a new addition that we are uh, doing here. If you um, have been a reader, if you would like to be a reader, please be in contact with Mary Cole um, so you can make a recording and send it in to her. Um, we are grateful for every reader, and of course, we are grateful for our right arm around here, Mary Cole. The, um, the scripture begins by telling us about John the Baptist. And John came not because he was the Messiah, but because he came to prepare the way for the Messiah. He preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And what's interesting is it says in the scriptures that all of the people of Judea and Jerusalem came out to the wilderness. So we know that John was very popular. He was drawing people from all over the nation of Judea. And what he did was he called people to repent, kind of like we just did. He called people to repent for the forgiveness of sins. And he did it by dunking them, immersing them in the waters of baptism in the Jordan River. And this very act is the foundation of our baptism. The difference is that Jesus provides now the gift of the Holy Spirit in addition to the water. Even John made claim to that, that he baptized with water, but one who was coming after him would baptize with the Spirit. The Spirit is the key to understanding today's text. Baptism illuminates my relationship because of the Holy Spirit. Baptism illuminates my relationship with other believers, with you, sisters and brothers in Christ. It illuminates my relationship with God and it, uh, it, and it illuminates my relationship with how I plan to live my life. Baptism. It is a calling. We call it the vocation. It's the, Latin, it's the English word from the Latin word vocari, which means that you are called. In your baptism, you are called. You are called to follow Jesus. And to bear his light, to bear his word to the world. To testify to the light, as John says it. So today we're going to begin on the beginnings of this series, Living Your Life from Baptism to Discipleship, as we look at the foundation, the gift of baptism. When Jesus comes to the wilderness to be baptized by John, he is identifying with sinners. And that's important. Because these people who are coming from all over Judea, from all over Jerusalem, these sinners recognize their need for God. They're coming to John to repent. 
They're coming to John to be baptized so that their sins can be forgiven. John preached in a way that drew people to him, that wanted to start their lives afresh. They wanted to get rid of the sin that was clinging so closely to them. Instead, they wanted to live a new life cleansed from that sin. And so they came. They came to be baptized. They came to confess. They came to repent. Yet not everyone came to be baptized. King Herod, his lover Herodias, his brother's wife, and her daughter, they did not come out to the wilderness. There was no repentance. There was no baptism for them. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they did not line up to repent. John preached against them, so they held it personally. So the ones who come are the ones who recognize their need for God, for repentance, for turning over a new leaf. They came to be baptized. And that is the calling for us, to be baptized. Most of us were baptized as infants. We don't even recall it. Unless your parents told you the story of your baptism, you probably don't remember if you were baptized as a child. I was baptized in the hospital the day I was born. They didn't think I was going to make it. Surprise, surprise, here I am. So the nurse asked my mom if she could baptize me. So a nurse baptized me in the hospital. Months later, when I was well enough to go outside, to be taken outside, they took me to the church, and the, and the pastor of my church reaffirmed the baptism that I had received in the hospital. When I was in seminary, some of the teachers, professors, and some of us students used to kind of joke about what the professors prepared us for. They said, now when you go out to your churches that have called you to be their pastor, you're going to find some people who will call you and say, yeah, pastor, we just had this kid, and we got to get her done. And everybody would kind of laugh at that and make jokes about that, you know, that it sounds like you're baptizing a sheep. Um, but what, what the point was, I think, was that the professor was saying no matter how articulate people are, when they desire baptism, they should receive baptism. When they desire baptism for their child, they should receive baptism for their child. Their request is an act of obedience. So it doesn't matter how articulate, how prepared we are for this gift, just that we want this gift. 
that we want this gift for our family is an act of obedience. And so for those of you who have chosen to be baptized, for those of you who have chosen to have your children baptized, God bless you for your obedience to Jesus' call. Baptism begins with a recognition that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And that's what is really unique about Jesus, is that he came to the wilderness, to the Jordan River, to meet up with John, to have John baptize him, because he wanted to identify with the sinners. Now, if Jesus was just any ordinary man, that may not be so remarkable, Somebody is coming out to identify with sinners. But if this man is the Son of God, if this is God incarnate, then that he would come to identify with sinners is absolutely remarkable. Jesus was not a sinner. He was one without sin. Yet he chose to come to identify with sinners to be baptized with sinners. In baptism, Jesus is God with us, God with you. And Jesus has come to offer himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He has no sin. It's not for his sins. He has come to offer himself as the perfect sacrifice to God for our sins. The writer of Hebrews picks up on that in chapter 9 of Hebrews. So Jesus came to identify with me and with you so that he could take away our sins. Now we get to the actual baptism. And there's a few points in here that I just wanted to highlight that I think are quite remarkable. The first is that when he is baptized, it says that the heavens, well, in most translations nowadays, they said the heavens split apart, but even that's too subtle. They did not gently open up the heavens. It's kind of like this picture of the clouds all kind of separating that's not what it says. In the Greek it says that the heavens were torn apart. As a matter of fact, the, word, the Greek word that is used here is the root word uh, schizo, which you may recognize from our psychological world um, where we have defined people with split personalities with two distinct personalities as schizophrenic. That's where that word comes from. So the heavens were not just kind of moved around a little bit, massaged away. No, the heavens were torn apart. And why is that important? That's important because what is happening in Jesus' baptism is intense. It is powerful. And it is a final separation. What God is saying is that the heavens will never be closed up again. If something is torn apart, you can't put it back together. If you take it apart at the seams, you certainly can. 
But if you rip the fabric and it's shredded, you can't make it happen. The only way you could do it would be to patch it back together. And that's not a reunification, that's a patch. So something unique happens when Jesus is baptized. Because the, the heavens represent God. And that the heavens are torn apart says that there is some cataclysmic event that is transforming the world here. So in Jesus' baptism, God opens up access. As a matter of fact, for centuries, people tried to access God without much success. People tried to find God, to come to God. And other people ran from God, feared God, fearful that if they looked upon the face of God, that they would die. And so people looking for God, people running from God, God says, enough. I am going to come for you. I am going to choose you. Think about that. You, in your baptism, have been chosen by God. God has pursued you. God has found you. God has claimed you as his own. Instead of trying to come to God, God comes to us. The heavens are torn open, and God comes for you by sending his Son to the earth. Jesus comes to us and is baptized with a purpose. And his purpose is you. God pursues you. God chooses you. God welcomes you. So being that the heavens are torn open is significant. Because that gives us an insight into God's plan, God's purpose, God's action. And that is to transform this world by coming after each one of us individually. The second thing of note in Jesus' baptism is the Spirit. Now, in a short while, we're going to sing this beautiful hymn, Spirit of God, Descend Upon My Heart. And it's okay for the Spirit to descend upon your heart. But what happens here is really different than the Spirit descending upon Jesus' heart. What it says here is that the Spirit descended into Jesus. Not on him, but in him. You might say that Jesus is possessed by God. And now Jesus possesses the Spirit. Or even more so that Jesus is possessed by God's Spirit. Now, some opponents will try to accuse Jesus of being possessed by demons. 
in Matthew chapter 12, verses 22 through 24, we hear um, some accusations of this. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. Jesus healed the man so that he could both speak and see. Jesus healed this man. The crowd was amazed, and they asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. So some of the Pharisees actually believed that Jesus was possessed by Satan, by demons. We won't go into Jesus' response, but he has a, he has a beautiful response. What we do know is that the Spirit of God is the Spirit that is within Jesus. He is possessed by God. And he has God's Spirit. And God's Spirit will lead him into the wilderness. And God's Spirit will lead him to the cross. And the Spirit is within him from his baptism until his death on the cross. When again, the translation into English doesn't really help. It says things like, well, he breathed his last. But that's literally not what it says in the Greek. In the Greek it says, on the cross, the very final thing that Jesus does is that he breathes out his spirit. So the spirit that was breathed into him in his baptism is breathed out of him on the cross at his death. And that's important because what that tells us is that the entrance and the departure of the spirit frames the whole story of Jesus. It frames the mission of Jesus. Jesus' mission, his purpose, was to come for you, to forgive you, to save you, to give you eternal life. Jesus' purpose is to transform the world, not politically, spiritually, Jesus' purpose was defined by giving up power, by dying on the cross. That, my friends, as Christians, is how we live. Jesus' purpose becomes our purpose. Jesus' mission becomes our mission. When we are baptized, we are called to a life of living among God's faithful people. And this is how we say it in the rite of baptism. To live among God's faithful people, to receive the word of God and his holy supper, to use the Lord's, pre, the, the Lord's prayer, the creed, and the Ten Commandments, to study the scriptures, to study the Bible, to be faithful in prayer, and to be faithful, to trust God, 
to proclaim Christ, to care for others, and to work for justice and peace. That's our vocation. That's our calling. But how can we be about these things if our primary allegiance is to political parties or to Twitter or Facebook? People need to hear the good news, and that means you should probably get off those social platforms, except for this hour of worship. People need to hear the good news. You need to hear the good news. I need to hear the good news. Some of you are saying, well, what would I do if I didn't have social media? Well, you could read a book about our history. You could create something, make a quilt, paint a painting, play a piece of music. There are so many things we can do creatively to bring God's love to this world. People need to hear the good news today more than ever. And I can say that because I'm one of those people. And as hearers of the gospel, of Mark in particular today, we hear the good news. When God speaks to Jesus, Mark allows us to overhear. God says to his son, Jesus, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Jesus is God's beloved son. This is what Psalm 2 says. This was a messianic psalm, a, a royal psalm, a psalm that was used when they crowned uh, kings. Uh, psalm 2, verse 7. We'll start um, after the opening phrase. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. On this day of Jesus' baptism, God speaks to him and says to him, you are my dearly loved son. Today I am your father. Jesus will baptize us, not with just water, but with water and the Spirit, the Spirit that is within him, the Spirit that came into him, the Spirit that he gave to us on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God didn't go back to heaven with Jesus. Jesus left it here remain with you for you Jesus is introduced to us as the son of God but what's interesting is that he doesn't appear with an army or a mob but he appears in the midst of sinners who have come into the wilderness to repent he doesn't appear in the temple, but instead he appears at the Jordan River where he is baptized. 
He isn't in the holy city of Jerusalem, but he is in the wilderness where he will do battle with Satan and the powers of demons. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the King. But he doesn't look like what they had expected. My friends, you and I have a purpose too. Through our baptism, God has called us to follow him. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be taking a look at the stories that follow here and how God has used Jesus to teach us what discipleship looks like, what it means to be a disciple in today's day and age. And we can look at the culture, we can look at the social media, we can look at our favorite cable news stations, but that's not what Jesus looks like. If you want to find Jesus, then let's start here. Amen.